Hi there, Arthur here. A uh, quick producer's note uh, for you real quick on this bonus sode over the Tiger King. Uh, an article uh, recently came out uh, after uh, the airing of Tiger King uh, explaining that Sav uh, was misgendered by the documentary um, and actually identifies as a trans man. Um, we recorded this episode prior to that uh, announcement and an article. And so um, uh, if we do... Uh, misgender Saf at all during this episode. It was uh, 100% unintentional uh, and just wanted to uh, throw that out there uh, before you get into this. So we hope you enjoy our uh, special presentation of The Tiger King. Everybody and welcome again to the Good Trash Donor Cast for a special extra edition of the uh, GTGC uh, right here for you all. That's right, breaking Oki content uh, discussion. We figure you are locked indoors and need more content to consume because there's not already enough of it out in the world. Because nope. you've all already watched the Tiger King, so what more could you want is more Tiger King and us you, talking about it. You've also probably exhausted your group chat with talking about the Tiger King. So yeah, now you can come and listen to other people talk about it. Yeah, exactly. So um, here we are talking about Joe Exotic, the Tiger King, uh, the new Netflix limited series, uh, which may or may not end up having more, more episodes. Series. Yeah. yeah. Which is wild and crazy. We are an Oklahoma podcast, so yeah, what are we going to do? Not talk about uh, a documentary series that heavily features our, our home state and some of our, our home newscasters. Places we've been. Yeah. And a convicted uh, murder for hire uh, person who also won, what, 20% of the gubernatorial race? Yeah. yeah. Came in third for the Libertarian More than he should have. Yeah. yeah so. Hey, look, he's a straight <laughs> shooter. He says it like it is. He it sounds like somebody else got elected. <laughs> well,. That's the real. That's the funny part about this documentary is uh, those not in the know are quick to think that Joe is a, is a Trumpian figure until they meet J Joe, Joe Lowe, and then they go, "Oh, okay, I There's see what's going on." There's a Trumpian here. figure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, what a strange documentary. Where it's a even... wild. Yeah, Joe is just actually insane. Yeah. Do Do we want to start anywhere, Arthur? Do you want to like give give the people a synopsis just to let them if they're not already aware of the Tiger King? Yeah, if you're one of the Five people who haven't seen the Tiger King. It is a seven-episode docu-series uh, presented by Netflix uh, that features a documentarian who went in to record Joe Exotic uh, about five years uh, prior to uh, production or completion of production. Um, so uh, over the course of five years, um, it starts as this kind of expose investigation of the big cat industry. Uh, and the players in that, and there are several that are highlighted through the first uh, couple episodes. Uh, there's Carol down in Florida. Uh, there's Doc Antler or Antle uh, oh, up Antle, in yeah, ba Baga Bhagavan kind of Doc Antle, yeah, upper Midwest. Lord I believe. God, yeah, Lord Doc Doc Antle, cult yeah. leader Antle. Yeah, he's um, at Myrtle Beach. Yeah, yeah, that's right, Myrtle Beach. Um, yeah. And then there are a couple of others that are uh, interviewed and highlighted, uh, just kind of around the country. Um, and it starts as this expose in that regard. Uh, and then Joe Exotic's secrets uh, start coming to light, uh, and each episode ends with, oh, crap, it just got a lot worse. Yeah. And the stakes just continue to go up from there as all of these plots and mysteries and paranoia and 
weird investigations begin to unfold in the life of Joe Exotic over the last five years. Um, and so it's kind of near and dear to our hearts. We live in Oklahoma City, uh, about two, two and a half hours from Winniewood, where the, the zoo is. Uh, so it's not that far at all. Um, my sister-in-law lives in Winniewood, um, so kind of close to home in that regard. I've been there. I've driven through the town. Um, you know, blink and you miss it. And, and so it's kind of almost surreal to see a lot of this on yeah. screen, like places I've been, or there's a lot of, uh, stuff for Seth Wadley Ford and Seth Wadley's pretty big in the South. I couldn't Oklahoma. stop thinking about, uh, there's no way that Joe doesn't wear all the Seth Wadley, uh, dealership hats. Like he has to have gotten money from them at some point in exchange for wearing those hats. You, yeah. You'd have to think. Yeah, but or he was hoping free. to get money from. Yeah, him. Sure. I think that may have been, that maybe be more accurate. Yeah, a lot of billboards that I I have seen a lot in my life appear yep. in this. A lot of uh, shots of downtown Oklahoma City. Where I'm like, oh, I've stood on that corner before. Yeah, uh, yeah, weird weird stuff. Uh, and that terms of in uh, in terms of that, Arthur, you're right. Uh, if you're listening to this and haven't watched Tiger King, and you're listening to Arthur describe it, and you're like, how does this? What? How many plates does this have in the air? A, a lot. lot. So many. Okay, but I think it does a great job of kind of giving you. The broad scope picture yeah. in episode one, and then kind of doing a good job of parsing out and details, peeling back the layers. Yeah, yeah. It, it's very well structured in terms of how much ground it has to cover, because it, it's not fully chronological. It just doesn't tell the no. story of Joe Exotic from start to finish. It jumps around and follows these kind of branches as it becomes relevant. And uh, Zach, uh, Matt Singer wrote uh, uh, for Screen Crush this very fun article. Uh, where he was like, all right, I've spent the last several years saying all Netflix shows are too long, uh, and maybe it's just the the COVID quarantine talking, but man, Joe Exotic could have been four more episodes, and I'd have watched all of them. And yeah, for sure. Yeah, that is the, the mo this is one of those times where the Netflix make it as long as you can format really does kind of come into play in a good way. Well, I gotta say, going in, okay, so I have not followed the Joe Exotic saga very closely. I mean, I, I knew... I followed it somewhat closely, but I, I knew he existed. I knew that there was this particular mm -hmm. zoo slash, you know, um, big cat petting farm. Uh, that existed somewhere in South Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. And I did know about the uh, murder for hire accusation and the later conviction. Mm -hmm. Spoilers, I guess. Um, so I was aware of that, but that was pretty much it. So I'm like, okay, so this is guy who's pretty, you know, crazy and flamboyant and, you know, like just real, um, kind of a nutter of a fellow. Right, um, out there in South Oklahoma, um, trying to make a name for himself, and you know, got into some bad business or whatever, and tried to have some person killed, and not knowing who or what or whatever. And I'm like, this is going to be seven episodes long. There is no way. There's no way it's going to hold my interest. <laughs> oh, with... you rube, you fool! There's no way. And and every single episode, I'm like, oh, what, what, what now? And the layers kept peeling back, and I'm like, there's no bottom to this well that never ends. You're right. It's, yeah. it's madness and fascinating. Well, as Arthur already said, yeah, like, it's not surprising to learn that they, they're they already talking about doing a sequel or second season, even though it was pitched as a limited series. Because, yeah, like, I read an interview with the director. They didn't, they had new footage coming in, making it into the edit, literally until the second they called Picture Lock. Like, it's a story that just kept giving because you're right Dustin there is no bottom because there's more tigers in captivity in the United States than there are in the wild like it's insane it's crazy the numbers like we don't even know how many tigers are in the US it's 5 to 10,000 question mark we just don't know yeah i more more tigers here than in India just just sit on that for a second it's truly truly 
horrifying to think about uh, the, the longer you think on it. And I think uh, for a lot of people, the, that's going to be a hard buy-in. Like, you're going when I say, I'm about to say the words, you're going to see a lot of animal abuse in this documentary series, and that sounds worse than it is. Uh, a lot of the worst things uh, happen in the margins or are alluded to or are rumors that have never been confirmed. We're describing euthanasia and those yeah, kind of things. Yeah, uh, and abuse, like full, full abuse. The, the things that you're actually going to see are more just general quality of life for these animals yeah. sort of things. Like cages and yeah. like flooded uh, pens and things yeah. of that nature and just uh, not the best. Underfed, uh, yeah. just kept together almost like more like cattle than cats. I mean, it's, you know, you're not going to see anything getting beat. Uh, well, you might see one or two things that are great. But it's, again, for an animal lover uh, with a real tender heart, this is not an easy watch. No. But I, th- I think the thing that might make it easier is despite all of these eccentricities despite all of these uh nefarious types there are a lot of animal lovers in here weirdly yeah Uh, and all of them even the ones that are are more easy to identify as oh that's a person that defends animals they're all kooky yeah but they all do seem to have a real like almost uh, drug addiction relationship with being around exotic wildlife and they do seem to take the care of these animals pretty seriously, even the ones that are super nefarious and doing very illegal, very ethically wrong things, even those characters do seem pretty invested in the well-being of the animals that are in their care. It's it's a weird dichotomy. I only bring all that up to say, go in with an open mind and open heart. I mean, you are going mm-hmm. to meet true human predators in this series, but not all of these weirdos who are uh, ethically complicated are bad people, I guess, is what I'm, I'm going to... I know that's a potentially bold stance to take. But I, I mean, there are those guys on the fringe, and, and, and women as well on the fringe there. I, I think, to your point, and it's kind of mentioned earlier, I can't remember which one, you know, they talked about, like, they'd had their life in prison, and then Joe gave them a chance on, on the, at the zoo. Yeah. And it was almost uh, this, you know, it's a, pretty much a colony of, of carnies, yeah. uh, where they've, they've garnered a second chance. And I think that because these animals were their route to that second chance. It, it gave them a bond. And, and, you know, it's talked about later in the series that Joe's own fascination and passion for animals seemed to have kind of slowly swept away over the years. Mm. Uh, but I think for a lot of the people on the fringe, the guys that were managing the zoo, the guys that were doing the handling, and the women, I keep saying guys, but the people who kept, you know, being invested and put, I mean, they're talking, you know, they were there 24-7. There, there wasn't a break. They lived, yeah. ate, slept, and breathed at that zoo. And I think that just that placement of, of this is their their salvation point almost of a life away from what they had known of something much darker, much worse. You know, I think they owe – they think that they owe a lot to the, the animals themselves. And then I, th- I think Joe, you're, Arthur's kind of speaking specifically about the staff of Joe's Park, and that's – uh, you know, you get into the staff of Doc's part, and and that's who. That's a whole thing we don't even have time to get into. Well, I'm just think. gonna say, okay, you would assume oh, this show, like we've got, okay, murder for hire, we've got, you know, illegal, you know, black market trade mm-hmm. of um, wild animals, like that's sort of what you sign up for, mm-hmm. and then you find out, oh wait, by the way, one of our main characters, well, Joe, is gay, and then there's also polyamory, and polygamy, and polygyny, and suicide and you know fbi like sort of you know inside man kind of stuff and again just it's insane the layers yeah true detective season four is truly wild (laughs) 
Well, and, and to Arthur and Dustin both have like made really great points. Uh, for all of the interesting true crime documentary stuff that Dustin's just talking about, there's all of this really deeply heartfelt, like humanist psychological examination of real people that, that Arthur's alluded to. Uh, the staff of Joe's Park all seem like truly great people, like truly kind, like uh, big hearted people. Um, the one uh, member of that staff that I, I thought of that while Arthur was talking was Saf. Uh, yeah. She, oh, right. Yeah. Is, it, this is where things get like dicey because for all of these like second chances and like lives that were changed by being at this park, there's also a really abusive. Uh, it's almost a cult mentality. Yeah, it is a cult of personality, and they, that that term comes up a couple times. That's the doc- name of one of the episodes. I think fact, you're right, yeah. actually. Yeah, but Saf ends, and I think it's the name of this episode is where we learn this. So a little spoiler here: Saf, this this uh, person that works at the park, loses her arm to a tiger. And is back at work the week that it happens. Yeah, seven days after yeah. surgery. Yeah. And it is some mixture of dedication to the park and loyalty to Joe and not wanting Joe to look bad in the, the eye of the media, not wanting the park to look bad in the eye of the media, but also not wanting... To, it's it's so interesting, just like watching these people talk about how they feel about what happened uh at the GW, uh, what was it? GW Wild? GSGW Zoo. Yeah, they call it GW, GW Zoo. Zoo. It yeah. has like several names I yeah. think that's gone by. But it's named after a brother of his. Yeah, it's yeah. Garrett Wade or something Garrett like Wade, that. Gary Wade, something. Yeah. Um, but I, I think a lot of, uh, and I can't, like, the term is slipping my mind where, you know, your, your hostage begins to develop. Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah, Stockholm. Yeah. I think that a lot of that could be at play sure. in some regards. Well, and then one of the former employees of Doc Antle Zoo, uh, gets a lot into that, gets into yep. the, the very, uh, culty very abusive nature of being a part of that that operation but yeah it's again different personality we even talked about carol baskin oh my god oh my goodness yes she totally killed her husband right she totally killed her husband almost totally oh 100 and also like took joy in in bankrupting uh joe's mom Mm -hmm. and yet at the same time joe does not seem to either care or understand that he had a hand in ruining his mother's finances. Right. I think... A little column A, a little column B, potentially. I, I, I don't think Doc Annell's too far off the mark when he talks about, you know, Joe's just dumb and naive. I think that's a big part of it, yeah. And talks a big game. I, I, I think he just kept putting himself into positions with people who caused him to continue to dig these holes that he couldn't get himself out of. Yeah. I don't think he's, you know, half as smart as his enemies are claiming him to be so that they can get their, you know, Jeff Lowe or, yeah. you know. Well, there's the, two kinds of people, people that Joe takes for a ride and people that take Joe for a yeah. ride. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not convinced he actually did the hiring and paying the money. And No, he, at, well, this is deep spoiler talk. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff Lowe absolutely conned Joe. Uh, Joe Exotic into doing a murder for hire. Right. Uh, allegedly. I should. I, I just remember that that is a very litigious man who is still in this state. So yeah. uh, I'll be. I'll mind my P's <laughs> and Q's. But uh, but the allegation is definitely there. Yeah, man. And like the math is all there. And there are apparently federal investigations going on into Mr. Lowe. Uh, allegedly, there are federal investigations going on into Mr. Lowe right now. It seems like they have all the homework to show that, yeah, he, he is very a, much allegedly set this guy up. Yes. Yeah. And if not that, uh, Joe sounds like he's going to flip on everybody, the big cat trade that he can. Yes. He's going to team up with PETA, which kicks so much ass. It's wild. Kind of fantastic. Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, we've talked about the structure and how well that works as, as far as documentary storytelling goes. What else about this works as a documentary? Mm, I, I, I'm going to pivot back to the humanism. Um, 
it would be very easy for me to have gotten my feelings hurt watching this documentary. Uh, if I felt like the people of my home state were being made fun of, yeah. I would have gotten defensive very quickly. Um, but, you know, Rinke and Saf and I can't think of the guy with the long blonde hair's name. Yeah, I can't either. One of my favorite people in the documentary. Yeah. Um, all, all of these people at this zoo are, like, treated as, like, sages. The, the fact that these people, like, understood and were able to be around both these big cats and Joe is kind of treated like they are saints that understand human psychology better than any doctor ever will be able to. Mm-hmm. Like, the reverence the documentary almost seems to have for yeah. all of its subjects, I think, is a big strength. Um, even Carol and Doc, who are m- much more ethically complicated. I don't think the Doc is very nice to Jeff, and I don't think it should be. But even Doc and uh, Carol, who would be almost as easy as, as Jeff Lowe to like really paint as villains, I think even the documentary is sympathetic to them. Like It shows you the abuse that Carol went through. Uh, and again, Joe is not somebody that should be taken seriously, but also somebody that you have to take seriously sometimes. You put a blow up doll with your name on it and you and shoot it. it. Yeah. And I mean, blew that's... it up with Tannerite. Like, yeah, yeah. That's a bad thing. Exactly. And despite the fact that Carol is almost certainly allegedly a murderer, the documentary kind of like is sympathetic to her. It does do some montages where it makes her seem extra nefarious. And I'm sure if Carol ever watches this documentary, she's going to be pissed. Oh, she's come out. Oh, oh she, it's it's salacious and sensationalist, and yeah, she hates it. She's, oh, I'm sure she does. Yeah, I I expect a suit to follow. Mm, good luck. Netflix has got more money than you, Carol. They might be the only people that have more money than <laughs> you. That's almost uh, entirely true. Yeah, yeah. I, but that, that's for me, Arthur. One of the biggest strengths is that people are treated like real people. I think to that point, I think the the documentary itself does give enough of both sides of the argument for everybody presented. I think we see a ton of context. I think we give a a. a I think we do. Get some sound reasoning from Doc Antle. I think he's a man who, in a lot of ways, does have a very smart and very, I can't think of the word, but I, I think he does have a strong head on his shoulders. In, in regard, I mean, I think he knows people and understands how to play people. Oh, and, yeah. And, and I think there is something kind of respectable in that. But also, we see the stuff he does. We see there is predatory yeah, behavior. And, and yeah. I think that, I, I think it does a good job of kind of letting the audience come to their own conclusions in a lot of ways about these individuals. Well, it's funny you bring up Doc and uh, and Jeff to some extent. Like, these guys who represent this grifter mentality, and all of the, the characters in this doc represent the, the most, like, easily highlighted aspects of the American grifter personality that we've all come to know and uh, despise. Um, I, I think Jeff and Doc, like, show so much of just running their lives on credit, running their lives on reputation and connections as opposed to any real... Like, Doc doesn't know shit about animals. It's through trial and error, just mm-hmm. like everybody else. Yep. And the people who know things about raising these big hats have figured it out the hard way. And yep. that's something that kind of keeps coming out throughout the doc. But you're absolutely right, Arthur, that of all of these people, weirdly, it's it's not just that Doc is the smartest. It's that he seems to have the understanding of what the legal system is looking for, who you should and should not talk to. But he's just as uh, image-obsessed as the rest of them. Like, he's the one the most guilty of trying to direct the documentary. He even gets called out by the documentary for trying to direct the crew, which I love. It's fantastic. Uh, Yeah, But him, Carol, Joe, all have two modes. All of these people they talk to have, I know that this is an interview segment mode, and I don't know that this is going to be in the documentary mode. Right. And it's very interesting to watch... All of these people, uh, not all these people, a lot of these people have characters that they take on and off. It, it is very interesting to get that 
close of a glimpse into them. Dustin, you haven't said anything. There's something more primordial, I think, uh, at work as well. About what works for you? About what works, yeah. Yeah. Because um, absolutely, you know, the characters themselves, the human beings are absolutely fascinating and, and again, portrayed in a very contextualized Mm. and uh, fair light. But I'm telling you what, HD photography in slow motion of tigers and lions kicks ass. Juxtaposed next to that kind of story is an absolutely incendiary combination. It just totally works. Yeah. Because you've got, yes, these uh, very, very fascinating and sometimes nefarious people doing their fascinating and nefarious things, but then you're moving back and forth with them living right next to, again, with slow motion, high definition photography of a tiger in a swimming pool with a woman in a bikini. I'm there for this. I mean, you know. Well, the documentary gets into this, right? There, And I mentioned the allusion to addiction earlier, but, like, the documentary gets into this weird primal reaction that our dumb lizard monkey brains have mm-hmm. to being this close to something that we know we're afraid of. Like, more than anything in the human experience do our dumb human brains, our weird squishy computers, understand that big cats are dangerous. Right. It's like one thing that we just consciously know. And yeah, these people just like, uh, again, I can't think of his name, but uh, the, the guy with long blonde hair talks about like, you ever walked a tiger on a leash, man? You ever done it? And he's just like, there's nothing like, I can't, yeah. I can't, art, no, people, nobody is capable of articulating the sensation of being trusted by a big cat. And you're right, Dustin, like when you pair predatory behavior with slow-mo HD photography of an Predators. animal being a predator... It's a compelling argument for like the psychic uh, influence of this lifestyle. Yeah, it's weird, man. Yeah, again, it engages some sort of you know medulla oblongata part of your brain. You I think know. that's the thing that Doc, to Arthur's point, I think that's what Doc understands. Like he understands that he is a drug dealer in some respects. Mm-hmm. He's the one that like loves knowing the Scarface guy and like sees the connection between. Uh, the, the, the smuggling of of trade and also the the dopamine hit that you're offering people. And it's very interesting. You're right. That that primal thing you bring up. I love that point. Yeah, for sure. Um, any other thoughts on the Tiger King? Uh, don't pet a baby tiger. Don't uh, don't do it. If anybody ever gives you the chance to do it, I don't know. Call fish and wildlife. Just say no. Yeah, Just, yeah. It's not. Yeah, not for you to be doing. Yeah. If you ever see a guy with bedazzled jeans who wants to talk to you about anything, go the opposite direction. <laughs> for sure. For sure. <laughs> Wearing a lot of affliction gear, probably look the other way. If you see somebody in their 50s dressing like a 19-year-old, regardless of what they're wearing. Punch him in the throat and yeah. run. Yeah, don't don't trust people like that. Hey, you guys remember when Jeff Lowe punched a lion? Yes, I do. You guys remember when that part happened? And like, the like, guy's an idiot. Well, he's telling us, but at the same time, that moment is like he's telling Lauren to get away. Like, there's a weird nobility in that moment, as much as I hate that guy. No, that guy thinks he's tougher than the lion. Well, Lauren gets a water, uh, a fire hose and scares the lion off. That's yeah, the only reason. She saves his life. Exactly. There yeah. it is. Uh, I don't, yeah, that, that's a weird moment. Ugh. I just kept thinking about Timothy Treadwell in Grizzly Man and, uh, when he's screaming at his girlfriend to get away from the, um, the grizzly bear. Oh, yeah. I mean, that it, makes sense. There was a there was a connectivity in my brain there. Sure, okay. Timothy Treadwell, better person. B- far, far better person. Uh, maybe that's a fun place to end this. Do we want to do the D and D morality alignment chart for the <laughs> for all the characters <laughs> of of this, or do we just want to go out saying like who do we think's the most sympathetic and who do we think's the least oh, sympathetic? Golly. I mean, that's a little easier. I feel. I like. think that would be. I don't know how I could do the alignments. Yeah, because I'm. I feel like they're all chaotic evil. I, I mean, they're all... Joe's chaotic neutral. I really Joe's that a chaotic way. neutral for sure. Okay. I think Carol's a lawful evil. Law is always on her side, but yes. she is more concerned with her brand than yeah. anything. Uh, 
Doc Antle's chaotic evil, probably. Eyes and neutral evil. Yeah, you're right. Doc's neutral evil. Jeff Lowe's chaotic evil. Yeah, for yeah. sure. You're absolutely right. Uh, the libertarian uh, kid who runs Joe's campaign is true neutral. <laughs> true neutral, for sure. Uh, Ranky is uh, lawful good. Lawful good? I think Rank, so. Ranky yeah. is perfect. Saf's probably neutral good. What about Rick the producer? Rick the producer is lawful neutral. Okay. I, I feel, think that's exactly true. You. Yes, nailed I, it. Rick the producer, I think that's a fun place to go out on. Because how do you, as somebody, you know, we're a producer mindset is not far from the uh, the culture critic mindset, I don't think, right? You know, the three of us sit around microphones and talk about what's interesting in pop culture and art. Producer does the same thing. They just have to, like, be on the first wave of it and find a way to monetize yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And Rick is complicated as anybody else because uh, he he does if anybody has like a negative opinion of joe it might be him like he again it's it's very complicated like joe ends up with no friends or loved ones on his side by the end by the time well, his husband said. well that's true his, his third husband yeah 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 uh he does seem very sympathetic to him a little bit but yeah rick is i think a very interesting one and it makes sense that he's the person they start the documentary on yeah uh it makes a lot of sense that this this Hollywood type guy, despite being from Dallas, this guy that's in the industry is yeah. the one that says, "Boy, have I got a story for, for you. you!" Yeah, and yeah, I think that's that's Rick's role here as the true neutral is he's not really invested in the morality. He wanted to make a buck off this story, and he wasn't able to. But boy, how did does he want to make sure people know about it? Yeah, yeah, I like Rick. He's a weird guy. Yeah, yeah, lawful neutral for sure. Thank you for sure. Well, there you go. All right, well, that's there, Tiger King. That Tiger King, dear listener, you keep watching. We'll keep talking. We'll see you all next time. 